In today's episode of The Cliff Ravenscraft Show, I want to talk about breaking the fear barrier, a journey towards being the fullest expression of who you are in the world. And I'm going to share a little bit of my own journey of how I've navigated from one transition to another, reinventing myself over and over again. If you are struggling to go out and boldly be the fullest expression of who you are without any fear, then this is the episode for you. Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the World. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. I am so glad that you have tuned in to this particular episode. And I can tell you right now, this episode is so important to me as far as the topic that this is the fifth time I'm attempting to record this. I've recorded four full versions of this episode prior to this, and none of them were good enough. And and it doesn't actually have to do anything with the whole fear of being the fullest expression of myself. It's just that I have plenty of time before it's time to release a new episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. I just put an episode out a few days ago. And the versions of what I created, the first two versions were just, ah, they were under a false narrative. And I didn't like how I was saying what I was saying because it wasn't in alignment with what I know to be true today, or at least what I feel is true today. And then the third and the fourth versions, they were good enough. And if it were time for me to release a new episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft show, I would have put them out, but I wouldn't have been happy with them because quite frankly, I was reading too much from the script that I had written and I write one specific way and I speak another. And so I've decided I've got plenty of time. I'm going to go and kind of give you an off-the-cuff, unscripted version of this very important topic, which is breaking free from the four most common fears that would hold you back from being the fullest expression of who you truly are in the world. Throughout my life, I've experienced these four main fears. I've experienced a ton of fears, but there are four main fears that have come up over and over again in my life and have come up over and over again in the lives of everyone who is daring to do something new in their life that they've never done before. To break free from the norm of what has come to be expected from them. Now, many of you have been Following my journey over the years, some of you know the transition I made from the idea of I'm studying to be a pastor and my greatest dream and vision in the world was to be the head pastor of my own church one day. At the same time, I was studying for that and also (laughs) became ordained through the process and doing associate pastor and stuff. I made the transition from that dream to, you know what, I'm working in the family business. My mom and dad own this insurance agency. My grandfather started in 1937. I am incredibly financially successful, plus I am really truly serving 
at the fullest expression of what I feel to be in service to others, I've got about 16,000 people in my community that are clients, and I'm sitting here having conversations with people in very real, authentic crisis moments in their lives. Now, I had the opportunity to speak to people in crisis moments in their lives in ministry, but not nearly as much as I did on a weekly and monthly basis for more than a decade of my life as an insurance agent. So I made that transition. It's like, you know what? I don't think I'd ever take a full-time pastor position of a church given what I have experienced over here. And then there was a time I started podcasting as a hobby with my wife, and we ended up growing an audience in the hundreds of thousands. Then all of a sudden, I saw that as the fullest expression of what I most wanted to do in the world. And to make the leap from a lifetime as an employee to becoming a full-time self-employed business owner, and to do this when I made this decision in 2007 And there was already a forecast of what was going to happen in 2008. There were people already left and right. Most of my friends who had the highest paying jobs relative to where I was, they were being laid off. Like Some of them were laid off for six months and still couldn't get a job being paid what they were paid prior to getting laid off. And here I was voluntarily leaving that level of pay behind to go pursue my what, in their minds, a hobby as a full-time career. And not only a hobby as a full-time career, but a hobby doing a industry that's not even an industry yet. In fact, the people who were at the top of podcasting at that time, the people with the most success in podcasting, had all stated that podcasting had plateaued, that podcasting is dead. They said there's nothing, there's no future in podcasting. And some of my friends and my peers, they knew that this is what I was pursuing, and they knew that a little bit about this forecast of, of the financial situation. And here I was, a father of three young children a sole income earner with a stay-at-home mom taking care of our kids, and I am this responsible person, and yet here I am slowly stepping away from ministry stuff to pursue this podcasting hobby thing and then leaving a, a solid career option. I mean, this this is like you don't have any more job security than what Cliff Ravenscraft had in 2007. And here I am walking away from all of that to go out and do what? so that I could be more free to be myself, so I could express myself more openly, so that I could record podcast content any time of the day, so I could choose what hours I work and what hours I sit down and respond to emails and facilitate conversations and community and have phone calls with people and all this other stuff. It's like, Cliff, dude, grow up, become responsible. This is the, These are the voices of some people in my life at the time, and certainly they were the voices in my head. And so I had a lot of fears in that transition, and I had, I had actually made another transition when I said, you know what, I think I'm done with podcast consulting. You know, all day, every day, answering these mind-numbing questions that anybody could Google. Yes, I love that I have the ability to teach these people and help them put their voice out into the world and overcome these things, but when... 10 hours a day is answering questions that have nothing to do with anyone's real exploration of becoming the fullest version of themselves. I'm just helping them 
overcome a technical hurdle. There's so many people out there that could help them overcome a technical hurdle. I want to help them overcome things that you're not going to find in an instant search on a Google search or a YouTube video or anything else. I wanted to help people really discover what beliefs, thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, the things that keep repeatedly showing up in their life, the things where they've been praying for decades that they could get beyond these recycled thoughts, feelings, emotions, and behaviors, but yet they make no forward progress. These are the things that I most felt called to do in the world. And so fast forward a decade into building my business as the podcast Answer Man, at one point making well over a half million dollars one year, in fact, within one 12-month period of time, made over $750,000. And it didn't happen overnight. It was a lot of work to get to that level And then I made a decision back in 2015 that I think I'm done with this. There is a fuller expression of who I am in this world. This stuff that I'm doing over here is a distraction from that. If you were to ask me, Cliff, if money were no object, what would you do? The picture did not look like what I was doing. And so I wanted to be done with that and transition again. But there was a lot of fears and there were voices in my real personal life said, Cliff, whatever you do, don't shut this down. You'd be irresponsible to not hire somebody to handle all those support tickets, to have somebody else create this and to do all of this. And what they didn't understand is, number one, I wanted an immediate cessation of all of those technical questions. And I knew that I would need to build something new And during that process, I had zero desire at the time to go and manage a new team and to create this business that operates under me. I said to myself and I said to them, listen, I understand this. It makes sense. This is this would be what's considered to be the responsible thing to do. And I could be wrong, but I would say that that is certainly a possibility for me right here, right now. But I also see that as a real possibility at any point in the future. I don't think that this opportunity will go away. And if at some point down the road, that possibility is no longer there, then the question is, is was it the right decision now? Anyway, I want to go be the fullest expression of myself. And I had to overcome my fear of my closest friends and some mentors in my life of going against their wisdom, their advice. What do you do when you recognize that what you're doing with your life today is not working to allow you to feel that you are the fullest expression of who you want to be in the world today? Well, I'm going to share with you the four most common fears I have personally dealt with and that I've watched thousands of other people struggle with as well. The first fear is the fear of judgment. Worrying about what other people will think about us and the work that we are doing. Have you ever faced the fear of rejection? The concern that if we reveal our true selves or go out and step out and do the things that we want to do that are outside of the accepted norm from those who surround us, those who love us or say they love us, would we be rejected by them? Fear of failure is the third fear. 
putting horror pictures into my mind and then watching these horror films over and over again. What do I mean by that? I mean, in my imagination, I am creating moving images in my head of all the things that could go wrong, all of the ways that this might be disastrous for me. And if I were to experience any of these failures, these are the things that could go wrong and these are the bad things that I could experience. So creating those horror pictures and watching them over and over and over again every time I took one more step out the door of the norm, out into the world of the unknown to go be the fullest expression of who I am, where there's no person on the planet who has ever been the fullest expression of who I am. So there's nobody that I can turn to to show me how to be the fullest version of me. Ah, Anyway, fear of failure. The fourth fear, the fear of not being good enough. I'm too new at this. When I think about what it is that I'm going to go do, I'm inspired by so many people who have done this thing before, and quite frankly, if I'm inspired by them, they've been doing it for years, they have so much more experience, they're so much more qualified, why would anyone want to hire me, or buy from me, or follow me, or listen to me? Why would people care about me doing this thing if I'm so new at this? when they could just go to the person who originally inspired me. I don't have enough experience. What I'm doing here, I just don't know enough. I haven't put as many hours. I, I've, I've just not done as much as other people who are already available. And quite frankly, they were more than enough to inspire me. Why would anybody care about me? Have you ever felt any of these fears? When it comes to the first two fears, fear of judgment and fear of rejection, These two things are so tied together for me. I want to remind you of a book that we talked about many episodes ago. I had my friend Ray Edwards on, and we were talking about the four agreements. If you haven't listened to that episode, my dear friend Ray Edwards and I spent almost two hours together talking about unlocking the power of the four agreements, a game changer for life and business. That's episode number 697 in the archives of this podcast. So go back into the episode archives and listen to episode 697. It is a powerhouse of an episode. Now, with that being said, I want to bring back to the discussion here for this topic of breaking the fear barrier specifically breaking free from the fear of judgment and rejection. And I want to remind you of the chapter of the four agreements titled The Dream of the Planet. Now, I'm not going to read the entire chapter for you of The Dream of the Planet, although it is relatively short, but I want to read to you five statements that will summarize this chapter in whole if you've never read it before. Now, regardless of whether or not you've read it before, if you've read it before and it's been more than a year since you've read it, go read The Four Agreements again. If this topic of breaking the fear barrier and the idea of being the fullest expression of who you are in the world today, if you're still struggling with any fears that's holding you back from just publishing what it is you want to share with the world, or creating whatever product or service and putting yourself out there, sending that next email. These are all fears that even I today sometimes will struggle with moving forward, and I'm gonna explain why. In The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz opens up his book with a chapter titled The Dream of the Planet, and he explains that the dream of the planet refers to 
the shared beliefs, myths, agreements, and opinions that make up our human societies and cultures. This collective dream governs how we think and act. We are born into this dream of the planet and taught from a very young age how to live, how to think, how to feel, how to behave according to its rules, concepts, and agreements. Our personal family, school, religion, and society shape how we perceive reality based on this shared dream. Adults teach children how to dream according to societal norms by hooking their attention and imprinting rules, language, and belief systems onto them through repetition and by rewarding and punishing certain behaviors. This process of domestication trains humans to live according to the dream of the planet. The dream of the planet can be likened to a fog or a smoke that clouds our ability to see ourselves and the world clearly. It keeps us trapped in fear, suffering, judgments, and lies that we accept as truth. The shared dream reinforces the idea that it is normal to live in fear, worry, sadness, and scarcity. The first step to personal freedom is to realize that the dream of the planet is just a dream and not necessarily the truth. We must become aware that we have been domesticated and that most of the beliefs that we hold are not even our own. If you've not read The Four Agreements in the last 12 months, go read it again. If you've never read this book, go read it for the first time within the next seven days. It will radically transform how you see the world. When we get into these fears, the the four fears again, let me just share fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of not being good enough. Now, I have overcome these fears over and over again, but there's always some new evolution of understanding of who I am. Some people have invited me, thousands of people have invited me to be a guest on their podcast, and one of the things that they like to talk about is, Cliff, this idea of reinventing yourself. It's like you have had more transitions being known from one thing to another, more than most anybody that I know. And and so I want to talk to you about reinventing yourself, rebranding yourself, and just recreating yourself from scratch. Through all of these interviews, one of the things that finally became aware, that I became aware of is the fact that, in essence, I'm the same little seven or eight-year-old boy that I remember being a kid. I, I remember the dreams that I had then. I remember the things that I loved to do as a hobby back then. I remember the conversations I had with people. And I remember just my overall feel of what I most enjoyed doing in life. And what I was doing at seven or eight years old are very much in align with what I'm doing today. At the core, I believe very much so that I came into the world to be who I am, at least the fullest expression of it, as who I am today. But over time, I had been taught that, oh, you like to do this? Well, then you should study this in school, and you should go and get this degree, and you should have this, and here are the career options that are available to you. 
And I'm like, oh, is that how the world works? As a kid, I'm very impressionable. And so I trusted those that I loved in my life and that I respected. And I was taught to trust and respect these people. And so I would go down those paths and I'd get very far and very invested in the way other people told me this is how you show up as a responsible person in our society. And then later in life, I said, hey, I'm very much feeling like this pull in my heart. I'm hearing the voice of God. And when I'm having conversations, these are the kinds of things that are happening. And I'm talking like I'm 18 years old. You know, the people are suggesting it's like, well, you know what? Maybe Cliff, one day you're going to be a pastor. Maybe one day this. And then when I get married in 1996, I, I have a similar conversation with my pastor at the time. He says, hey, let's bring this to the church board and, and see what they say. And and they're like, oh, Cliff, well, this, it, yeah, it's clear that this is what's going on for you. And this is what this means. I was very impressionable yet still. And As a result of those impressions, they said, that means that you should become an elder within our church, and this is how you do that. We're going to send you to school and pay for you at Nazarene Bible College and all these other things, and do this for two years. You get your local minister's license, and and I I just followed all of the steps that they told me, and, and, and that's how I consistently found myself navigating through life. And you know, then also in 1996, mom and dad owning an insurance agency, they took it over from my grandfather who started it in 1937. They're they like, Cliff, we see that you're out here, you know, studying this ministry stuff. You've got this customer service job at a call center for catalog orders for staples. It's like, you're married now. You have all of these computer skills that you've had since you were a kid. Why don't you come work for us in the family business? This will be a, and, and they didn't say these words, but in essence, it's, Here's a respectable, responsible job for somebody who's just getting married. <laughs> and so, I, you know, do you see how impressionable I am? And so the people that I knew, that I loved, that I respected highly, I let them get glimpses of who I am. And of course, they saw versions of that and they said, oh, here's the box in society and culture that that fits in. And by the way, get into this box and be taught and trained by people who will tell you how to succeed in this box. And by the way, when you get into this training and all this teaching, here are the things that you are going to have to believe. These are the things that must be agreed to. Now, for the ministry side of the things, you need to agree that John Wesley is this and and John Calvin is this. I know that you've been heavily positively influenced by people who teach from the perspective of John Calvin in the past, but you must stop listening to them. They are heretics. We only do this. Do you agree with that? And I'm like, what do I do with that other than agree? I either agree and get what you told me, what I feel, you know, what I've been convinced God has called me to, or I disagree And if I disagree, my studies are over, I don't get approved, and I don't get to do this thing that you say that God is calling me to do. (laughs) So, in essence, all of these things, and this is not just in spiritual life, but just professional life, in marriage, and fathering, and parenting, and all this other stuff, and relationships with other people, I had just consistently allowed myself to navigate through life by people who I thought were more successful than me, only to discover later in life that 
they were successful in the eyes of society and culture and all these other things. But what I recognized behind the scenes is these people did not have the same level of peace that I felt called to have in my life. They didn't have persistent joy. They didn't have unconditional love that I so desired to experience and express. There was a scarcity mindset in the mindset of most everyone I ever met. And I realized that these people are, quote unquote, being celebrated for success, but yet they're out there with the same addictions and lack of peace as anybody else anywhere else in the world. And it's like, there are very few people that I see that are living authentic to who they are and experiencing high levels of peace, love, joy, and abundance on a consistent, ongoing basis. And yes, I found a few of them, a very few, inside of the institution of the Christian walk that I was brought up in. I saw a few of them who were very happy and at peace and love and did incredibly well of living a life fully lived alive in their career of choice. But that was, I mean, we're talking about maybe one out of a thousand. And it seemed like everybody else out there were just really in the rat race. I mean, and I I don't have to argue for this. I, I know you know this to be true. You see the rat race. There's entire genres of film and books and material and, and stories. And what do we do oftentimes when we are in the rat race? We look for ways to escape the life that we're living. It's why we live for vacations. We live for weekends. We live for the next binge-worthy show on a streaming service or whatever the case may be. We, we jump into all of these things. What I discovered through this journey is that I'm not reinventing myself. I'm actually rediscovering who I authentically am. I'm rediscovering the essence of my being as I am deconstructing all of the beliefs that I adopted throughout my journey since I was a kid that are limited boxes that say, here are the rules and don't draw outside of the lines and you must conform to these things to be accepted and to be lauded and celebrated as a success. But there's all sorts of poems that says, most men live lives of quiet desperation. And I've seen this. I was a part of that system. Not to mention the fact that it is very possible for somebody within a faith tradition to show up every church service, preach the most profound messages, to have a large audience, to have various different followings online today, and all these other things. Meanwhile, struggling with addiction, struggling with isolation and loneliness, and hidden stuff that they won't tell their family about, and things are crumbling internally for them. They are so far out of alignment and feel isolated and alone, and their lives are falling apart, but yet they're celebrated as the pinnacle of success and the role models for other people in this place. And it's not just any one place. I just it's, This is any time I find that people are limiting the fullest expression of who they are. And every single time I've done that and became aware of it, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So there was a time when I couldn't do the 
ministry leadership of what I was what was being expected. It's like Cliff, Cliff, if you were truly a man of God, you would definitely not question the elders of our church who have volunteered you to go and do these things. You you would just do it. You can't tell me that you love God and tell me that this ministry over here that we volunteered you for and that requires about 15 to 20 hours a month of your time, you can't tell me that you love God and are unwilling to see this as something that God wants you to do when the elders of our church have heard from God, this is what you ought to do. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I cannot live the fullest expression of who I am in my relationship with God and stay here. And so I made that break, and that was a transition. And it was not an easy one. There were the the four fears, the fear of being judged, the fear of being rejected, the fear of walking out and being a failure, and the fear of not being good enough on my own. I struggled when I made that. And then for a long time, I'm like, okay, this insurance agent, this seems to be the thing. Even though every time the rules changed and I had to read and study whole documents of new materials and they've changed the laws and all this other stuff. And and these are important things that I know and memorize and study and that I have the inside out information on. And when the rules change, I have to know all of the clients I sold previous policies to who now are no longer covered by these things. If they choose to move from one company to another and they have new policy with new language, man, you miss one little detail and it could cost people hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars of financial situation. And I would be responsible for that. And did I have a passion for learning and studying those things? No, I promise you that was not the fullest expression of who I am. Did I do it because I was taught this is the responsible thing? And listen, there's no easy road to life. And the more you hate your job, the more you get paid. And I had all sorts of beliefs about all sorts of things. And But eventually, I came to the realization. It's like, no, Cliff, there is a potential for a life with, for you where you make a living providing for your family, but where most of what you're doing is what you feel most called to do, to speak with your voice, to have an impact, to influence people, to help them overcome anything that limits them from being who they feel called to be in this world. And if you can help people do that through the content that you create and through helping them launch podcasts and they'll be paying you and, dude, this is a much fuller expression of who you are. And so, yes, it was a fuller expression of who I am. But I then slowly adopted that the fullest expression of who I am is this podcast consultant. This is how I I can continue to do all of these things. But eventually, after a decade of doing these things and getting to a certain level of success, I found most of my day was outside of what I felt most called to do in the world. And so I had to experience this unlearning of all of these things. What if I just stop, what if I deconstruct all the things that I've been taught about life and success and and what if I begin to look to see if there are alternative ways to live and I study a lot of alternative ways to live and and as I'm going through these things, I'm like, wow. And I always like to ask myself, if money were no object, what would I do? And then, of course, the voice, but money is an object. You have this and you have these responsibilities. Yeah, but okay, I get that. But let's just say, if money were no object, what would I do? And then if I would go do that, is there a way that I could get what was required from a financial perspective 
to do the things that I feel called to do on the financial side and actually spend my time doing this. And so it's always been a filtering of that, the fullest expression of who I am. It's not that I am evolving in who I am. I've come to believe today that who I am, the essence, my core, has always been who I was when I first came into this world. And throughout my lifetime, I've made a lot of agreements with the thoughts and belief systems and the societal norms and the ways to be accepted and and not rejected by others. I've allowed all of that to put limiting filters on being the fullest expression. So in essence, it's like, hey, Cliff, it's great that you have these traits. Some of those you'll find hobbies to let that kind of show up in your life. You can go on trips and vacations here and there and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, you must find something, do something, even if you don't love it, just to make ends meet. Maybe one day you can retire and be that fullest expression of yourself. That's kind of the mentality that I grew up with. So do you get where I'm coming from on this? All right. So my guess is that if you're still listening to me, you may have some feeling like there's something you're meant to do, something that you've been trying to do for the last several weeks, something that you've been trying to move forward on over the last several months, or maybe the last several decades of your life. But you've tried it, and every single time you get those fear-based voices in your head, you lack the understanding of your true, unique voice, and you're afraid to put it out there, afraid of this judgment, afraid of this rejection, afraid that you might fail, that you're not somehow good enough. Well, what's helped me Every time I've deconstructed my beliefs about what is there to limit me, and when I get a little bit more clarity about what the fullest expression of being my true authentic self would be, and what that work would look like, and what the thi- how I would show up in conversations and in social situations, how would I think, feel, act, and behave, and all the, or act and behave is the same thing. Uh, all of these things, what, what would I, what would the fullest expression of me be? Once I've discovered that, then the fear show up because that's outside of the norm. Stay away from that cliff. Here's all of the warnings. What has helped me over the years? I will tell you four main things have helped me get through the fear barrier. Number one, mentoring. Number two, coaching. Number three, mastermind groups. And number four, journaling. Here in this episode, I'm going to give you some journaling prompts that could help you break the fear barrier. The first thing that I'm going to recommend that you do is make a list of all of the fears that you are currently experiencing. My guess is that at some level, you do have some sort of fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of failure, and fear of not being good enough. I'd be shocked if you didn't have at least two of the four, if not all four, when it comes to you being the fullest expression of what you want to go out and do today. But you may have other fears as well. So make a list of all of the fears. Write them down. The next thing I would do is I would encourage you to journal once a day, every day, for the next however many days of fears that you have. Let's just say you have four fears, so the the four fears that I've mentioned. And if you have four fears, I would encourage you to journal once a day, every day for the next four days. Give yourself between one to three hours for this journaling. 
And yes, I'm being very serious. This is not hyperbole. One to three hours for this journaling process because I'm going to give you six questions for you to have as journal prompts for each of those four days. Here are the six questions. Question number one, what is the fear that you are experiencing? So choose one of the fears off of your list. Number two, what are the root causes of this fear? Ask yourself, what would I have to believe? What voices am I hearing in my head? What thoughts go through my mind? What emotions am I feeling? Where did I hear this from before? What is the root cause of this? Bullet point out as much as you can possibly come up with. Your subconscious mind is going to do all of this work. Don't worry. If you if you give yourself enough time and you do this with sincerity, you will find your subconscious mind will give you all sorts of answers that weren't consciously available to you prior to doing this exercise. This is why journaling is so valuable. The next one is, what are the costs of letting this fear win? Make a list of that. Imagine you give into this fear and you never go out and do this thing you feel you want to do. What are the costs of not being the fullest expression of who you are? Number four, What mindset shifts would be required to move beyond this fear? Now, in a little bit, I'll give you some examples of some answers that might come up for these things. But for right now, write these questions out. What mindset shifts would be required for me to actually move beyond this fear? Question number five, what tips and strategies can I employ if this fear continues to pop up. So for example, the next time this voice in my head or this emotional state pops up when I go to take another action step towards being the fullest expression of myself, what tips or strategies can I employ? I'm gonna give you a list of those in a little bit, but for right now, just write the question down. And then question number six, what are the benefits of moving forward and being the fullest expression of who I am in the world today. Imagine the picture that you have succeeded and you are doing that thing with no limits. You have made it. You are the fullest expression of who you are. What would life look like? Build a picture and a dream and an image of that and let those kind of things work and be what you focus on as you think about and all these other things. But we're getting to the strategies and tips on how to employ, that you can employ as these fears come back up. Now, again, you're gonna ask those six questions and I'm gonna put those six questions in the show notes. So just wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, look for the show notes. Those six questions will be there so that you can see them and copy them into your, whatever notes you're taking. Now, as you go through your journaling, you may find that some of these will be the starter point for your own answers to these journaling questions. So what I did is I went through some of my journaling. I asked myself, what are the root causes for my fear of judgment? Here's a bullet point list of things that I came up with. First and foremost, go back to where I read that summary of the dream of the planet. So for me, it was societal conditioning that pressures me to fit in, to follow societal norms, and also to not stand out. In fact, if you've never done this before, I encourage you to just pause right now and go and do a Google search for tall poppy syndrome, and then read the Wikipedia article on tall poppy syndrome. That's one 
of the root causes for the fear of judgment. Another one is wanting to fit in and be accepted by others. For me, every time I've stepped out, I have found there were people who loved me as long as I lived in alignment with their norms, their expectations, their way of seeing the world. But if all of a sudden I started to live my life a little bit more authentically to my own version of this way of seeing that thing, all of a sudden some of those people no longer accepted me. They distanced themselves from me. They put me out of their fellowship. Not only that, in some cases, root cause, I've been criticized or even ridiculed by people that I thought loved me. There have been times where my work was judged very harshly. Cliff, why would you even consider doing this thing? You just said in your podcast the other day how you did this and you got these results. That's obviously a failure. How long will you put your family through this miserable test and experiment of you trying to make your hobby into a full-time living? Why don't you go back to your parents and get your day job back? I will tell you, that played into my own emotional baggage that I had at the time. Fear of being judged, root cause, I've been judged. I've been criticized. I've been ridiculed. I've been rejected. Those are some of the root cause of the fear of judgment that I've come up with for myself and I've witnessed in others over the years. Now, as far as fear of rejection, a lot of it mimics some of the fear of judgment, but fear of rejection could be rooted in childhood experiences of conditional love or approval. For example, I grew up in an evangelical fundamentalist Christian Protestant upbringing when it came to not necessarily what my mom and dad were in, you know, bringing me up in, but that was through my peer group and friend group. And I always went to church as a kid because I had that desire. But on the weekends and during summers and stuff like that, most of my experience was in this Protestant upbringing. But for seven years of my life, I attended Catholic school. And in second grade, everyone in Catholic school had their first communion, which meant that every Friday when we went to Mass, which since first grade, I went to Mass every Friday in Catholic school for the first seven years of grade school. And in second grade, I was no longer the same as everyone else. I I was actually the kid who was not allowed to take communion. I was the kid who wasn't allowed to go with the class one by one and and go into the confessional and and get sins forgiven. Because of that, it, I I ended up being bullied. I was not just rejected, but once I stood out and I was a little bit different than them, why isn't Cliff with us? And there's all sorts of just weird things that kids do and and it was, it was a pretty difficult time, quite frankly. I was being shamed. I was bullied. I was rejected by these kids. And these were the kids I most wanted to be in relationship with. Ah, You could just come up with a list. I'm sure that you'll know of many times in the past where you've been rejected or dismissed when you've put yourself out there. Anything that comes up in your journaling, just write those things down. What are the root causes of this? Then fear of failure. What are the root causes? Perhaps you have an issue with perfectionism, setting up unrealistically high expectations for yourself. Now, I could argue that I don't experience perfectionism, but yet here I am the fifth time through this podcast episode. Now, I will say that I don't think it's perfectionism that's caused me to record this a fifth time. 
as I stated, the first two times I recorded this episode, each time I'm like, that just doesn't feel right. Not that it's not good enough. It just doesn't feel right. What is this? And I had to go and journal and meditate and pray. I've had two or three conversations with close friends, had a conversation with my wife to kind of get at and, and figure out what's going on here. Why don't I like what I recorded? Ah, I know because I'm still operating with the fear that this will happen. And I still believe these people will respond that way. And I'm like, oh, wow. Well, what would this episode look like if I didn't operate under that fear at all? And then I had a picture of what it would look like. And then I recorded it two more times. And each time it was still too rehearsed. I was still trying to script out too much. And it would have been good enough. And even this episode here is not perfect, but this episode, I can already tell you, you're going to hear this version of this podcast because I had plenty of time. I just released the prior episode as I'm recording this just like two days ago. And now I'm here recording this episode. I'm like, yeah, I could still record this two more times over the next two days and I'd still be in time for another weekly installment if I were shooting for weekly installments, which I've never committed to since... 2020. But anyway, you get the idea. So perfectionism. Have you set yourself unrealistically high expectations for yourself? And this is not that for me. I don't deal with perfectionism. In fact, I'm more than happy to throw something out there, have it look ugly, and polish it over time. And it's one of the things that's helped me really experience a lot of success where a lot of people struggle is they just, it's like, this isn't just not good enough. Maybe you're dealing and you've had an issue with harsh self-criticism and negative self-talk when you make mistakes. So maybe it stemmed from you made a small little mistake when you were a child and maybe your mom or your dad or a loved one or some other authority figure really criticized you. Say, how could you do that? I can't believe you would make that mistake. How many times do I have to tell you? And maybe you've carried that trait on into your adulthood. Maybe there are past failures that weren't handled in a healthy way, in a learning-oriented way. Now, for me, I did adopt harsh self-criticism, but not when it comes to grades. I did the, I adopted the harsh self-criticism and negative self-talk when it came to the punishment system of going against the moral code and beliefs and doctrines of the evangelical Protestant fundamentalist church. That's where my criticism and negative self-talk came from. And it was the biggest thing where the fear of failure had pretty high stakes. So that was for me, that, that was the root cause. Maybe you've had childhood experiences where love and approval was conditional and it was based upon your high performance. Maybe there's fear of embarrassment or shame or being seen as incapable. It's like you'll lose all your credibility if you fail publicly. Let me tell you something. I've had these fears in the past. I've thankfully moved beyond them. And you know what? There have been a number of things that I've done that have succeeded. And so many people see me and idolize a lot of the things that I do. And they're like, Cliff, I, you know, if, if I could ever be like you one day, this, this, and I can't believe how you have successfully done this and this and this. And they list off all of my successes. But you know what they don't list off is all of the failures that I've made and the f- public failures that I've done. And let me tell you, I've had a number of them. But I think it's ironic today. By the way, 
are there people who absolutely said, oh, Cliff's, okay, Cliff has definitely proven, you know, what is that thing? Don't meet your mentors, they'll only let you down, <laughs> or whatever that statement is. There are some people who have this perfection idea and these these ideal idealized versions of you, and it is very possible that if you go out and publicly try something and you state, this is what I'm going to create, and then you don't live it out, in some people's minds, you have lost your ability to influence them, and maybe that's what you're afraid of because you can find evidence in your history to, to support all of these fears. Some of these things will happen, probably not to the same outcomes that you might be imagining those horror pictures in your head, but some of these fears likely could and will come true. But there are all sorts of other things to think through. That's why those other questions are there. What's the cost of, there's certainly a cost with being the fullest expression of yourself. And in some cases, and in some parts in our history, and in some places in the country or the world today, you could actually be put to death by being the fullest expression of who you are. We're not saying there's no basis. It's just what are the root causes of these fears? And then fear of not being good enough. Maybe you have low self-esteem and lack of self-confidence. Maybe you're linking your self-worth too tightly to achievement. Maybe you have negative self-talk and that inner critic that is focusing on your flaws rather than the things, the progress that you've moved forward on and how you've grown and and the things that, that you've done and accomplished and the impact and influence you've had in the positive direction. Maybe you've had childhood conditioning that you're not good enough from parents, teachers, peers, religious leaders, whatever. Imposter syndrome. Maybe you feel like you're a failure, that somehow if you move forward, people are going to find out that you're a fraud. I know that one's coming out. How many countless episodes have I done on this topic, imposter syndrome? Maybe you have a chronic issue of comparing yourself unfavorably to other people. Comparing yourself. Just put a stop to it. It's a root cause of that fear of not being good enough. Minimizing your own skills and accomplishment. Belief that you don't have anything unique to offer. And assuming other people out there who are inherently more capable and more qualified and more experienced. So therefore, why bother? So those are some of the root causes for some of the most common fears that keep us from breaking this fear barrier, allowing us to be the fullest expression of who we are. I then went into my journal entries and my coaching conversations with my coaches and my mentors and my mastermind groups. I went back and thought about some of these times when I wanted to step out of the norm yet again. I asked myself, what are the costs of letting these fears win? And here are nine bullet point items that I came up with. First is getting stuck in stagnation rather than experiencing growth. And let me tell you, there were times when I had this dream, this new vision of something I wanted to do that's outside of the norm, that's not culturally accepted, and I was afraid and I let my fear hold me there for several days, several weeks, several months, in some cases, more than a year or two before I finally broke the fear barrier. And every single minute of those hours, days, weeks, months, and in some cases, years, I felt stagnation. I just felt the life draining from me. I felt the the life being sucked out of my soul. Now, my belief system doesn't even think that that's a possibility, but 
the metaphor, I think you can understand. It's just like, ah, it's like you're sucking my will to live. That is a cost of letting these fears win. What about letting criticism or rejection have power over my choices? I'm literally allowing other people to tell me what I can or should do with my life. All of my choices are made based upon whether or not I will be accepted or appreciated by a certain group of people. As long as this group of people can agree with me and support me and encourage me, then I will proceed. Now, they made the choice for me. I didn't make the choice for myself. So in essence, I've given away my freedom. Number three, feeling powerless and trapped by the limitations that I've placed upon myself. Now, I can tell you that I used to have a victim mindset and I used to think of it as the limitations other people placed on me, but today I take full ownership of my life and there's never been a time throughout my lifetime where anyone has ever put a limitation on me. It was only the way that I was perceiving the importance of their acceptance that put a limitation on me. And once I broke up with the importance of other people's acceptance, the limitations just disappeared. But it wasn't an easy process. There's there's a lot that went into it. A fourth item here, sacrificing fulfillment and joy by avoiding risk. And I will tell you, I've lived a couple of years of my life in just the most horrific experience of life. Just powerless, depressed, lethargic. I could care less about myself or others because it's like I'm, but yet on the outside, I'm being, being lauded as a success. Man, Cliff, I'll never forget November 2014 people standing up, standing ovation at platform conference, people coming up to me after I did my talk for Michael Hyatt's conference, and they're like, Cliff, I wanna be just like you. You're such a role model for me. I've been following you for years. What people didn't know is that I was dead inside at that time. Now, I was able to go up and and play the part, and I was able to do it incredibly successfully. And sure, I could make a half million dollars that year, and I did, actually over a half million dollars that year. But I was dead inside. People didn't know this. Well, very few people knew this. But yeah, that, yeah that, that's another cost that was associated with letting those fears win. There is diminished sense of purpose and vitality, and I was just playing small in life. Another one was that I was holding myself back from sharing my gifts and talents with the world. I mean, that was, for me, what was killing me inside is that, wow, I have this ability to have a single conversation with somebody and literally transform the way they see the world. It's not that I'm changing their life, but they change their life because I simply asked them a question to help them break free from the hypnotic way of seeing the world that is based upon everyone else's way of seeing the world. And what I did is I just asked a couple of questions to get to know who this person truly is at their essence, at their core. I know some key questions that I could ask that will draw out that person who is at your essence and core identity. And then I can ask a handful of questions in a very specific way and you will begin to wake up from the dream of the planet. 
this is my unique gift and talent in the world. And I'm like, I'm sitting here spending all day, every day answering your question about your buzzing noise in the background and why you published an episode 15 minutes ago and it's not in iTunes, but it is in Stitcher Radio. And I'm like, oh, what cable do I need when I bought a different piece of equipment than what you recommended, but I bought everything else. Can you tell me what cable I need? And 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 having 10 hours of that a day, it was keeping me. I was I was making lots of money doing it, but it was keeping me from sharing my gifts and talents with the world. And then number eight on my list was not contributing my unique perspectives and my talents to make a difference. And number nine, missing out on opportunities to connect with others and build real, true, authentic, meaningful relationships. Now, here are a couple of the common mindset shifts that I had to make and that I help thousands of people make. First is the shift from fear of other people's opinions to unconditional love and approval for myself. I had to completely break up with any and all opinions of other people because any opinions from others that would break my relationship with them Their love for me is conditional. As long as Cliff doesn't go outside of the box of what I believe and how I perceive and how I see things, then I love this guy. But as soon as he starts going down this path or he says these things and he steps outside of this religious box or whatever the case may be, I no longer can be in that perfect union, friendship, love for Cliff Ravenscraft, chatting with him for countless hours, all this other stuff, all of that's over. That was conditional love. And I just broke up with conditional love. I only am concerned about unconditional love. And if I genuinely have unconditional love with a person or a community of people, then anything that I do and experience and express as the fullest version of myself, it's not a big deal. By the way, For those of you who need to make this mindset shift, I encourage you again, I urge you, read the book, The Four Agreements. And if you've read it once before and it's been more than a year, read it again. And specifically, take every syllable of every word to heart where it says, don't take anything personally. Another shift that I've needed to make and I've helped other people make throughout the years, shift from fear of failure to the power of learning. Listen, failure is absolutely a part of growth. It is feedback. It is nothing more than that. In some ways, there's really no such thing as failure. There's only learning. Failure might be more in line with the just giving up on what you know to be your desired outcome. When I started my business, full-time self-employed, was building my podcast Answer Man brand, many of you know the story. I only made $11,000 net income. If you only knew the countless failures I had during that first year of business, and it was, I was an emotional mess. I was, I didn't know anything about emotional intelligence at the time. I didn't know anything. I had no strategies for how to control my emotional state. And I was messed up with a belief system that I won't even go into the belief system that I had in this episode. It's not the purpose of it. But, oh my gosh, I I failed constantly. And as a result of those failures, I did experience a lot of emotional roller coaster rides, the lowest lows, but also because I knew I was creating according to what I saw at the time, the fullest expression of being myself, I also had my highest highs. 
But man, if I knew back then what I knew today, I would not have had to go so deep down into the valley. And quite frankly, I could actually have benefited from not going so high on the emotional scale as well. A little bit more equanimity in my life and in my journey during that first year might have been a little bit more valuable and could have kept me from being in the hospital and almost dying after my first year in business. Just saying. (laughs) Maybe if you want to avoid some of those peaks and valleys going so high and so low, so close to the sun and so, I don't know what the opposite metaphor would be going pretty low, but I I have a feeling that if this is resonating with you, you know how low it can go. Anyway, failure is a part of growth. View it as feedback. That is the first shift that I needed to make there on failure. No need to be perfect. Explore experimentation. I don't care if any plan that I'm coming up with the first time, what are the chances that I have a new idea, I create a plan, and boom, it works right out of the gate? It sometimes happens. It's maybe one in a, a thousand. But most of the time, it's like, okay, here's a plan. I have every reason right now to believe that this will work based upon what I read and studied and what other people have told me. But when I implement the plan, it's crickets. And I lost $38,000 as a result. (laughs) It's like, whoa, wow, that hurt. But it's okay. Let's take what I learned and let's try this again. We're not going to make that mistake again. Only to make some of the mistakes again. (laughs) And it's like, oh, 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 yikes, that did not feel good. You know, I didn't die and and keep re-evaluating and taking different approaches over and over again. The other one is just focus on gaining wisdom from both your successes and setbacks. Ultimately, that's how you get better and better and create more efficient, more productive plans in the future. Everything that I do today can be informed by not just what I learned from my successes, but also my failures. And because I have more failures than I do successes, I've learned a lot more from those. So shift from fear of failure to the power of learning. I'll just share one more shift with you. The shift from fear of not being good enough to the absolute commitment to authentic self-expression. Here's what I've learned. I am already enough. There is no need for me to prove my worth to anyone. That's it. That's my stance today. If you were to come to, let's just say, podcast movement in Denver, Colorado, and you see me in person compared to the last time you saw me prior to COVID, you may see that there's a physical shift in my body once again. And there's all sorts of reasons for that. But what I will tell you is when I went to social media marketing world in San Diego here in 2023, oh my gosh, I didn't realize just how much I was still had this fear of being the fullest version of who I am at the time. Somebody who had had this amazing fitness journey and this thing, and then all of a sudden, since COVID, my focus and attention went other directions, and my routines of going to the gym was shut down, and for months they said, you can't even come here anymore, and just all this other stuff that I allowed to be a part of my life, which I am today thankful for because it woke me up again, breaking me out of the hypnotic rhythm of what I had been doing, and it helped me yet again deconstruct some beliefs about myself 
I put a lot of time, effort, and energy where I used to spend sometimes three to six hours in the gym. I started spending somewhere between three to five hours a day every single day reading things on a spiritual level and breaking outside of what I had always stayed away from in the past. For the first 47 years of my life, I only allowed myself to explore my relationship with God from a biblical, Protestant, evangelical, and even fundamentalist perspective. And I had been conditioned and trained and taught that any exploration outside of that is not only dangerous, it's evil, and it will lead you and anyone that you influence into the eternal damnation and pits of hell. That's what I grew up in. And not only did I grow up in it and I was conditioned, but more than 20 years of my life, I taught it. I conditioned other people with those beliefs. Well, as a result of 2020, a lot of things have shifted. I've began to explore way outside of the Protestant, evangelical, Christian way of seeing the world in relationship with God. I have explored Hinduism, Buddhism, Taoism, Stoicism, Sikhism, Druidism, shamanism, and I've developed incredibly meaningful, close, personal relationships. I hired somebody who is would be considered to be a shaman slash new age spiritual. Uh, I, I don't even know, I, but I hired somebody for six months to coach me through a very different path of a spiritual development way outside of the norm. And by the way, if you're, th- this is the fullest expression of some of the things that I bring to the table today. And this is what's really helped me. I've come to this place where, wow, I'm already enough. There is no need to prove my self-worth. It's not a number on the scale. It's not the number of followers I have in any social platform. It's not the number of people on my mailing list. It's not the amount of money I'm making in my business every month. It's not any of these things. I, at my core of who I am, which by the way, I have a different view of who I am today than who I thought I was more than three and a half years ago. More than three and a half years ago, I was a very ego-driven person, and by ego-driven, I mean from a spiritual perspective, meaning that my persona and my beliefs and my personality and all of my memories and, and all of my past behaviors and all of these things that I thought is who I am. I am Cliff Ravenscraft. I am this body. I am these past experiences. I am all of these things. That was my ego. And I was trying to make sure that my ego fit in with the societal norms. But I've gone through a journey of spiritual awakening, and I've gone through a journey of deconstruction, and I have come to understand, at least for myself, that I am not the Cliff Ravenscraft who you might think of me as. But instead, and this has come out a little bits and pieces here in the Cliff Ravenscraft show, there's a episode titled Divine Spiritual Being, Having a Human Experience. In fact, if you wanted to go into the archives, that was episode 681, released back on May 12th of 2022. And also, if you are interested in learning more, check out encouragingotherstroughchrist.com. This is a podcast that I started way back when I was still very much in ministry as a Protestant, evangelical, fundamentalist Christian pastor part-time. 
this podcast, Encouraging Others Through Christ, has been relaunched many different times throughout the years, and also, by the way, was just recently relaunched two weeks ago, and has now been moved over to cliffravenscraft.com. For the first time ever, you can get my faith-based or spiritual-based podcast on my cliffravenscraft.com professional website. Before that, it was kind of hidden because I didn't, I, I still had not broken through the fear barrier of the way things have shifted and changed. If you want, just go over to encouragingothersthroughchrist.com and click and read the entire description of that podcast if you want to see what I'm, I'm talking about. But I'm not going to bring all the spiritual stuff here in this show, the Cliff Ravenscraft show. I'm going to continue to put all my spiritual awakening and deconstruction and some of the other explorations that I'm having way out in the wildest nether regions of of explorations of God and all that other stuff. That stuff is really where most of my passion is today. So for the last three and a half years, three to five hours a day, I have 1,700 and what is it? Hold on. I just looked. It is 1,793 pages of notes from things that I've learned through my explorations. And most days, I'm not actually taking notes on what I'm reading. I'm just highlighting books and and things of that nature. So anyway, all of that to say that I've come to this place where I'm already enough. There is no need to prove my worth to anyone. Sure, I took my eye off the ball. My routines have changed, you know, my physical appearance. But when I went to social media marketing world, I was like, oh man, what are people going to think about me? And I'm like, whoa, I thought we took care of that. I thought we're okay with this. I, I, I thought this was, but yet it brought it up. It triggered those fears again. What would people think? So, you know, the thing is, is like, does this mean I've lost my credibility? I've went out and taught people how to have physical fitness changes. Thousands of people have lost over 100 pounds as a result of this. They've all these things. People are coming to me today still ask me, Cliff, how do I lose over 100 pounds like you did? And it's like, well, you know, just so you know where I'm at today. But I can tell you how I did it. And I can tell you what will absolutely work and, and stuff like that. But yet here I am, somebody who is you know, once again, over 200 pounds is like, ah, but come hang out with me in Denver and see if you notice any apprehension about it then. Because I was so thankful for the first time since COVID, I went to social media marketing world and I had to deal with that. It's the first time in public at this conference where these people who knew how much of a big deal I made about that. And let me tell you, one of the things that I learned was how I gave myself permission to feel good about myself and my own worthiness and my own credibility based upon a number of a, on a scale. And I needed to experience this to break up with that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not staying where I'm gonna, where I'm at right now, at least as far as I know. My sight is set on, you know, more healthy, balanced look and, and getting back to those things, but not with the same reasons and emphasis and not so that I'll be accepted. If people see me today compared to what I had experienced and what I had been teaching and that was the only thing they were getting from working with me and I lose my credibility in their sight, I'm okay with that. You know what? If I'm not good enough for them, that's okay. Here's the shift that I made. I made the shift from fear of not being good enough, not being seen as credible, not seen as a failure. No, I have made the shift from a goal of feeling good enough or being credible in the eyes of others. 
Instead, I made the shift from that to being the fullest expression of who I am without any worry about what anybody, I am already enough. The only validation that I'm truly seeking is my own and my connection with God. I had made a decision that I'm going to stop giving others the power to give me a reason to feel my true worth. The goal became freely expressing myself versus meeting any external standards. A number on the scale, an amount in the bank account, an income level on a monthly basis, the number of clients that I have, the number of subscribers that I have to my podcast, to my mailing list, the number of followers that I have, none of those today are on my mind because I've had these shifts. Now, I wanna give you some tips and strategies that you can employ as fears continue to pop up because they if, if you have any level of ego, and I still have a significant level of ego, I don't always identify with it, my ego. I don't identify myself as this persona. However, there are times that I slip back into it for varying lengths of times and certain little seasons here and there. But when I do, fears pop up and that's okay. I've learned it's a part of the process, a part of the journey of being a human. So with that, what are some of the strategies and tips that you can employ when fear comes up? First, I encourage you to sit with the discomfort of fear. Stop resisting it. Stop pushing the fear away and just let yourself feel it in your body. And then what I would encourage you to do is talk to people about it. Talk to people you trust. Talk to somebody that loves you unconditionally. If you can't find such a person, I'd love to offer my services as a mentor or a coach. If you are a business owner, I encourage you to join one of my mastermind groups because I create that safe environment. Or whether it's you and God in, in a journal, sit with the discomfort, don't avoid it, write about it, talk about it, process it. That fear is there for a reason. And many times it can help you avoid going out and being the fullest expression of yourself and burning all sorts of bridges that don't need to be burned. By the way, that's the reason the first two versions of this podcast will never be heard publicly. All right, the next one, release the need for control and certainty and embrace unpredictability. For many years of my life, certainty was my number one value. Today, certainty is at the lowest of my six human needs. Today, growth and contribution are at the top of my list. I would say that connection and love is right there next. And then uh, variety is there. And at some level, an only ego-driven level of it, and, and, and I tried to let ego not get too much of the reins, if you will, but significance is there. As far as certainty, I believe in a, in a concept called Wu Wei, and it is going with the flow of life. So for example, if I were to be hiking through the wilderness and there's a river, a rushing river that comes through, if I were walking along the bank of the river and the bank that I was on started to slide and I fell into this rushing river, I'm not going to try to swim against the current and try to get back up to the place where I fell in and climb up that embankment. That 
would likely cause me to drown. This is what I know. And this is how I used to approach things in my life. But instead, what I would do is I would allow myself to, to find myself flowing with the current and the stream of this rushing river, and I would let it carry me down, even if it's miles away, way off the beaten path, way outside of, of what I even know as far as this territory. But I'd let it carry me, and I'd try to use my body and, and the flow and the current to get me to a place where I could actually see downstream a place where it would be safe for me to navigate and potentially get out of this this rushing river or this current. And that's what I would do. And, and then I would slowly get myself back out of the river and I, I'm, I could be who knows how far away from my original destination, but I'm alive. And then once I'm there, I'll assess, okay, this was unexpected. This was undesirable. And it's very inconvenient. But based upon where I am now, what do I want to do next? Where do I want to go? All right, I cannot do anything to go back and not fall in. I could not swim against that current to get where I was. It's it, This was unavoidable. So what can I do from here? What does this make possible? It's Wu Wei. The next thing that is a tip is reframing failure as an opportunity for growth and learning. We've talked about that in the mindset shift. Refuse to see failure as a lack of credibility or the proof to others that you're not credible and all these other baggage things. Work through these in your journal or with a coach or a mastermind group. The other thing is is if you don't do if you don't master any other skill in your life, you must master the skill of self-compassion. Talk to yourself the way you would the person that you love the most in life. In fact, I would encourage you to come to the place where when it comes to on a human perspective that the one person you love most is yourself. And even from my Christian upbringing, I still very much have a relationship with Jesus and I still very much have a respect for so much of what the scriptures say and especially this teaching from Jesus. He said he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, everything. And then he said, the second is equally as important, to love others as yourself. So cultivate the ability to have such love for yourself, such compassion for yourself, and only speak to others as you would speak to yourself. The only problem is, is a lot of people are experiencing, they're living out this. The thing is, is they say all sorts of neat, critical, highly judgmental things to other people, but that's because they have the habit of doing this to themselves. And so cultivate self-compassion. The next one is focus on enjoying the process and don't only push off your enjoyment and peace and abundance and all of the feelings of freedom. Don't don't see all of that at the end of reaching the goal, but see the abundance and freedom and peace that's available to you every step of every day. If you could only understand the power of the present moment and how it's truly the only thing that ever has existed for you and only ever will exist for you, the present moment, don't lose 
any ounce of your peace, your love, your joy, your abundance, your freedom that is the essence and core of who you are in every present moment and the only present moment you have ever experienced in life. Live life to the fullest, enjoying the process, not only the goals that are met. The next one is make sure that you are celebrating the small wins and give yourself credit for progress. Also, limit consumption of negative media. Matter of fact, just limit consumption of negative input, whether that's friends that you have conversations with, whether that's social media doom scrolling, whether that's listening to the news media, whether that's hearing conversations about people telling you their beliefs about how bad things are, all of these things. Limit your consumption of negative input. The next one is put an end to comparison. Stop comparing yourself to other people in whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. It's never served anyone. Now, it's it's nice to use people as role models. It's nice to have them as inspiration for you on your journey, but you will never be that person. You will never be the fullest expression of any person that you can think of. You can only ever be the fullest expression of you. And some people say only compare yourself to who you were yesterday. All I can say is that who I am today is already perfect based upon what I have to work with and I'm going to work with this and I'm going to do the best I can and be the fullest expression of who I am today. And you know what? I may end up reverting and and having and dealing with some of the things that I've thought that I previously mastered before. Go back just a few moments ago to my discussion about my weight currently. You know, the thing is, is I'm not even comparing my weight and success, my fitness, physical fitness journey, who I am today, even to myself in the past, because even that is a false comparison. So if you would want my tip on a strategy that you can employ when fear comes up, put an end to comparison altogether. And now that I say it out loud, yeah, not even yourself in the past, just put an end to comparison. All right. The next one, drop the desire for perfect. Perfect is just not in the realm of of this physical world we live in. There's always going to be some way that you or somebody else could see it as being better. And if you wait until perfect comes along, chances are you're not going to make much forward progress. The next one is visualize yourself succeeding and tune out self-doubt. There's so much about the law of attraction I could bring in here. And if you haven't listened to episode 705, my friend Megan and I just briefly talked about the law of attraction and how to manifest success and dreams. It's just an overview, an introduction to that topic. I have an entire workshop session in my Free the Dream workshop where I talk about law of attraction and and meditation and visualization and how to succeed and all these other things. But if I could just give you a bullet point here, visualize yourself succeeding and tune out the self-doubt. The next one is practice courage by incrementally putting yourself out there. Now, what are the benefits of moving forward and being the fullest expression of who you are in this world? Well, first of all, there's the feeling of freedom that you can literally choose to own every aspect of your life. Not conforming to other people's expectations lets me determine my own path. I don't have to choose the paths that other people have paved. I can create and pave my own path in life. 
The next one is that it fosters a deeper sense of fulfillment and alignment with my own core values. And you know what I've learned? It's okay to choose my own values. It's okay to reevaluate my values and shift those. It's okay to break up with old beliefs and adopt new ones. I love this. I give myself the space to explore my passions and nurture my true spirit. My self-esteem stems from self-approval, not external validation. Staying true to myself expands my capacity for compassion and joy in this world. No matter what's going on in the lives of other people and in my own life, the amount of compassion and joy I'm able to experience in every present moment of life, which is the only moment that's ever existed, is just unlimited. My courage and vulnerability can inspire others to live more authentically. And also, if I step out and truly radiate the fullest expression of who I am in every area of my life, my vibe will attract my tribe. It will allow others to connect deeply with me as they appreciate the true, real, authentic version of who I am. I hope that this episode has been valuable to you. And if you have ever struggled with being the fullest expression of who you are, those fears that you have, they're real. You have lots of evidence to support the fact that you have these fears. It's been trained within us. I mean, some of the things that I am doing in the world today and expressing through my Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast over at encouragingotherschristchrist.com, there are things that I say in that podcast that would have been worthy of putting me to death in history. With that being said, I have adopted and moved forward through all of these fears, and I still have them come up. And I employ these techniques, these strategies, these tips to help me get through. I still have mentors in my life. I'm occasionally hiring coaches in specific areas of my life. I'm still part of a mastermind group that I've met with every week since October 2010. I facilitate my own mastermind groups. And I journal like no one's business. Hours every day devoted to the exploration and processing the experience that I'm having through life so that I can be the fullest expression of who I am in the world. If you'd like help in becoming the fullest expression of who you are in this world, if you aren't quite sure who you are, what your dreams are, I'd love to help you through those things as well. First of all, if you are a business owner, I highly encourage you to check out The Next Level Mastermind over at nextlevelmastermind.info where you can do life with other business owners who are out there pushing the boundaries of what other people say we should do in this world, creating businesses that are the reflection of our true, authentic self, living a life of fulfillment and prosperity. Check it out, nextlevelmastermind.info. Regardless if you're a business owner or not, that doesn't matter. If what I've been sharing in this episode is resonating with you at some other level, follow that intuition, that voice within that says, I'd really love to connect with Cliff, and send me an email, 
cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Send the email today. Don't put it off any longer and say, Cliff, I'd love to connect with you around the idea of coaching on this topic of being the fullest expression of who I am. Reach out to me today. You may be surprised at how the stars, the universe, how God may just align everything perfect for you and I to work together in a coaching or mentoring relationship. Or if that's not possible for you, for whatever reason you think it's not possible, there are other ways that you can get involved in the kind of environments that I create that I don't charge anything for. But you won't know about those things unless you email me cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Whether you want to work with me in a coaching or mentoring capacity, or if you'd like to be notified of these opportunities, these environments where you can just show up and have access to me, that unconditional love, support, and encouragement. If you are resonating with the content that I put into the world, follow that voice and email me today, cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. I also want to tell you, if you are interested in a little bit more of what's going on on the spiritual side of things, check out my brand new community that I've recently launched. It's called the Spiritual Awakening and Deconstruction Journey Community. You can sign up at awakening.cliffravenscraft.com. This is for people who are deconstructing a lot of their beliefs from their faith background and adopting what they truly authentically see as their true connection and potential union with God. So if you, if that's interesting to you at all, awakening.cliffravenscraft.com. And I'm going to close this episode out with a testimonial from one of my dear friends and clients that I've been working with for years. Her name is Freya Casey, and she recently sent me this testimonial. And if it resonates with you, please reach out to me and work with me in some way. I just know for a fact that there are some of you who have been waiting to hear. It's like, wow, okay, I didn't know Cliff had all of this going on. And yes, I feel like Cliff's the person I should be working with. If this message is resonating with you, if what Freya says in this testimonial resonates with you, reach out to me within the next seven days. I can't wait to hear from you. My name is Freya Casey. I'm a professional singer and vocal coach from Germany, and I just want to talk a little bit about my work with Cliff. I have known Cliff for several years. I was part of his Next Level Mastermind several years back when it first started. I had remained friends with him throughout the years and followed him and stayed in touch, you know, gave him updates over the course of several years. Then I had a couple of complimentary sessions with him, one-on-one coaching sessions, and uh, that already changed my life because I came, I remember when I was in the Mastermind group back then, I had this strong desire, and I know there were some tears, I remember that, in one of the sessions when it was my hot seat, and I talked about something very personal, and I talked about, it was a pain back then inside of me that had this void, because I had such a strong desire to become a mom again, I have—I already have an older daughter, she's 11 now, but I had such a strong desire, but I was single, uh, I am still single, but because of all my conversations with the Cliff and him just allowing me to open my mind to the unconventional and to think differently, I actually have now 18-month-old twins that I conceived 
through embryo adoption. And I'd, I couldn't be happier. He helped me just not worry about what anyone thinks, but fulfill my dreams. And it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I contribute a lot of the decision making the way it went to my conversations with Cliff. Not only that, I also started one-on-one -on -one coaching with him last year. So about nine months ago, I remember I just came kind of out of that time of my in my life where, you know, little twins, it's, it's crazy. But I had just started working in my business again. And yes, working in my business, that's the key. Limited amount of time, but I was stuck at this four to five K revenue a month and I felt like I was spinning my wheels. I wanted more, but I never was able to achieve that. We set goals and we worked on my mind and everything that we talked about resulted in me by the end of 2022, which is last year, by having increased my income to, you know, reach the 10k revenue per, uh, revenue mark per month. Now, fast forward, now we're in mid 2023. I have now I'm about to reach the 20k mark. My team supports me. I have a team that is amazing. I'm starting to I want to really scale even more because I really have big dreams. And we work so much on my mindset and talk. It's just about asking the right questions. It's not like he's coaching me. He's not telling me what to do. He's just triggering thoughts, thought processes and challenging the way I have my beliefs set and the way I see things just to grow spiritually, to be more conscious. And when you're conscious, something really wonderful happens. You start having things on your radar that you didn't know you could do or that you didn't know existed before. All the possibilities are on your radar. And basically, it's very exciting to get up every morning and knowing because you have proven it that whatever it is that you want to create, you can do anything. As long as it doesn't defy the laws of physics here on earth, you can do it. And I'm so excited every single day. I have much bigger dreams, but so far everything has come true and I will continue working with Cliff. And I highly recommend if you have dreams that still are just a dream and not a reality yet in this experience that we're having here, please consider doing a, co a complimentary coaching session with Cliff. It has truly changed my life.